Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. We've all been a place where we have been depleted. In fact, I took the scripture from Judges last week, and on that scripture, we discussed about how they were weary or how they had came to a place where they was just completely what the scripture meant was that they was exhausted in everything they was doing, but yet they was not quitting. And many of you may be at that place in your life right now. You're exhausted with what life has handed. You're exhausted in every avenue, maybe even physically or emotionally or spiritually. It's just like, I don't know what else I can do. And sometimes we come to a standstill, but then others continue to move. It's not that one is greater than the other. It's just one enters into a different dimension of grace than the other. And God has given us all, not just grace for our salvation, but He has enabled us with the power of His grace to continue going. And we find that Gideon was like, feed my men. And he said, we got to continue to pursue. There are times, even in our exhaustive pursuit, that God gives us moments where He just feeds us and we feast and, and we have times in His presence. And in this series, we're going to deal with this exhaustion, talking about the physically or mentally. Maybe even some has gotten there spiritually. But most of these seasons of exhaustion come, and I didn't mention this last week, but I want to talk about this week, is more about the delay in our life. How many of you has ever had something going on in your life and it's like delay came in? It's like you knew God was doing something, but it was still yet down the road. And it's like everything was put on hold. And David, we find in the scripture that we looked at last week, we talked about his pursuit and how he had to go for this throne, that God anointed him for the throne. David only seen the throne that would replace Saul. But God had more in mind than just that throne. He had a throne that was eternal. What should have been the house of Saul, and due to his disobedience, God had stripped that from him, an eternal throne, and now had declared it and decreed it that this would be David's throne. He said, for I have sought myself out a man after my own heart. Now David only seen this earthly throne. Many times what we see is only the earthly. And we don't realize what God is doing in the spiritual moment. And, and though in delay, we don't feel God. In delay, we are tired, we're exhausted. In delay, our neighbors agitate us. In delay, our spouse agitates us. Our kids agitate us. Our job agitates us. Everything goes wrong in delay. I mean, nothing can ever be right. And, and in delay, it's just like there's no freedom in your life. But often our soul, our mind, the will, the emotions, they, they only see the earthly throne, but God's preparing so much more in the supernatural. Yes, it's going to impact the natural, but also there's things eternal that it impacts that God's doing that a lot of times we don't look at, but our throne, so to speak, would be the promises of God spoken of our life. We all have those promises to come to. Different seasons are different thrones. 
Thrones represent a place of God's Word for our life, the promise for God's Word in our life. It is the very prophecy that's hanging over our head in a good way, that God has spoken a good Word over us. And we know David was on the run for 7 to 10 years, and all David had was a promise, but he had all this delay. And delay is the in-between time of when you receive the promise and the promise itself. You see, when we receive the promise, we get so excited because God spoke something to us. But then when delay comes in, you see, the promise, when it's spoken, that's just the beginning. The full capacity of that promise takes a moment for it to come into fruition of our life into the reality. But seasons of delay is the place where God develops our character. We should be thankful for delay because this is when God does a lot of things in our life. There's a young man. He got in church. And he said, I want to do something really good for the church. It took him a lot of years, a lot of time to develop this. But finally, he's still yet a young man. He develops this, uh, this plan and strategy of how to bless the church. He said, I'm going to raise peaches and harvest them. And I am going to sell them and give all the proceeds to the church. The first year, he's so excited. The harvest is about to come in. And a frost hits and kills the entire harvest. A few weeks pass. The pastor goes and visits this young man that had a noble cause. And he told him, he said, you know, why aren't you not at church? I know you had a problem with your peaches. Is that what's going on? He said, yes. He said, if God's not concerned with my peaches, then why should I be concerned about going to church? Well, the pastor was kind of taken by that. He's like, I've not heard anything like this. But the pastor would not speak for a moment. He was taken. But he just began to pause. And he thought. And he stated this to the young man. He said, God loves you better than he loves those peaches. Though God knows that peaches do better without frost, that you will do, be a better man with frost. It's impossible to grow the best men without frost. And his object is to grow men and not peaches. Many times what we do in life, in the natural, we are worried about our peaches because the frost has came and taken our peaches out of the picture. But God said the frost may have taken something out of the natural from you, but the frost that I brought in your life is going to better your character so you can come in to your throne. See, let me tell you today that God loves you more than He loves your peaches because He loves your character. He loves you. Sometimes our noble causes fail. But remember, God is more concerned about your character than He is your noble cause. Now, the peaches will die through the frost. Things in the natural will die. They will come and they will go. But the experience of the frost will never die. The pandemic that we're in, yes, may have taken our peaches, but our character is coming out stronger. It may have taken time. It may have taken money. It may have taken uh, moments in the house of God away. It may have taken people's finances or job. All that. And what this is is a frost. And God says that what the enemy has meant for evil, I'm going to turn around and mean it for your good because God is not concerned with what the pandemic strips away in the natural. What God says is what I'm going to do in your character is an experience that can never be stripped away from you. See, God is into building people. That means character. God builds our character more than He builds our provision or comfort. See, in our humanity, we're worried about provision and comfort. But God is still building character. 
See, I'm the first to say that I don't like trials. Can I tell you this? I don't try to find trials. I don't like trying times. And when I'm happy, trials still come. When I'm sad, trials still come. When, when, when I'm weak, trials come. When I'm strong, trials come. Trials do not wait for you to be prayed up, read up, and ready to attack. We're like, I wasn't even ready for this trial. I hadn't even been going to church or even praying or reading my Bible. Trials don't wait to see how spiritual you are to see if you're ready. Trials come, but when they come, and I'm telling you, they will come, you'll have the opportunity to be exposed and to grow. Now let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown, tossed by the wind, and the person that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, James tells us to count it all joy when these various trials come. That we should count why? Because God's doing something for our good in the trial. Verses 1 through 12 of James 1 talks about trials and how to deal with them and what we should expect and how we should count it joy. Verses 13 through 16 of James 1 talks about how to deal with temptation. The difference between trials and temptation is, is that trials come. Sometimes that God allows us just to walk right through them and walk right into them because they are orchestrated for our own personal frost because there's got to be some things that must be frosted and taken out of our life. But then temptations is from the desires within our own flesh. See, seasons of delay have to do with part of God's original plan. Talking about knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance is what he said. God orchestrates him. He manufactures them. Let's look at it this way. God is the carpenter of many good crosses in our life. We all have crosses to bear. Sometimes different crosses in different seasons. Yes, we always have the cross to bear as far as denying our flesh, walking for Christ and living for Him. But also there's certain seasons that the cross that we bear is heavier and more burdensome than others. But yet God is the manufacturer of good crosses in our life. And there are certain things that God chooses for us to go through that are His divine will. does not mean that God brought the trial, but God allows us to walk right through them. And then we read in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, he said, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you, instead be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Now, Peter says we should not be surprised by various trials. What's that mean, not to be surprised? Well, one translation actually tells us not to be bewildered. See, when trials come, we ask these questions. Why now? Why me? How? How am I going to get through this? So we look at it, it can be looked at as the word surprise. It can be looked at the word bewildered. And then I like the way one translation reads it. It says, I beg you not to be unduly 
alarm as if there's something wrong with you when life, with your life when trials come. The very first thing we do is when a trial comes, what have I done wrong to deserve this? Sometimes it has nothing to do with what you've done wrong. It has to do with what God's working in you or what he's frosting, placing in, what he's taking out. We often think that we messed up some of the truth is trials come and when they come, we're usually exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically, and it may look like everyone has been blessed right now and you're being tested. Don't be unduly, don't be unduly alarmed, he said, like something is wrong with you when trials come. There's nothing wrong with you. It's the fact that God is bringing in something better into your life. See, our walk with God is always a journey. It's always a pursuit. It's always going after the things of God. It's always growing. It's always maturing. But also, we have to understand that in those times is when we are going to become so exhausted because of the mess that we're going through. And we cannot allow that season or that trial to make us think that we have done something wrong and we carry the burden of condemnation in our life because it has nothing to do with what you've done wrong. It's the fact that God has trusted you to come into a promise or a word that he has spoken over your life, that God has a future for you. He has plans for you. He has a new anointing for you to come into. He has purposes for your life. So when he brings you to the trial, and he's pouring things into you is to prepare you for the throne. I will tell you this. There was times that people hurt me and I did not know why they was hurting me. Even why they was hurting me. And it was from pastors. And I was like, man, what is going on? I said, I'll never, I'll never treat anybody like that. Then when I go to pastor, I'm like, someone does something that I even don't like. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to talk to them that way. There's no way I'm going to hurt them. If I hadn't been hurt that way from that standpoint, I would never been able to minister properly to that individual or individuals. The pastor I am today is because many hurts and disappointments from others. I said, I never want anyone to leave my presence feeling the way that they just felt when I felt when I left theirs. So many different things that God does, but times of exhaustion and delay and and trials come and they prove us to expose our hearts. It's not an abnormal Christian experience, but it's orchestrated by God. And the next thing today is that trials produce exposure. They produce exposure. Have you ever noticed that the more you hear from God and the more you obey God, the more you are tried? In fact, the more that is entrusted to you, the more trials that come. Why is that? Well, the answer is this. And listen to this closely. And I want you to remember this for the rest of your journey on this earth. Because every word of the Lord is tested. Every promise God places over your life, there will be a test over that word. Every time we begin to build more in the kingdom or pursue God more, act upon God's word or pursue more of him just personally in relationship in our lives, the rain's going to come. The storm's going to come. The wind begins to blow. It's just like a CPA. You just want to make sure everything's good. I used a CPA for years, and then I made sure my taxes was just so simple that I could just do TurboTax. In fact, this is my first year doing that. Couple years, and every year I take him everything. Everything looked good, yes. 
Didn't pay a lot of money. Did I have to pay a lot of money? But I still took it to him. I said, I want to. I got some deductions. I got. I mean, I, they treat me like a small business, so I want to make sure I'm clean. So I would bring him everything. And sometimes I felt like I was paying way more taxes than what I should be paying. They had to withhold way more. I'm like, man, this is crazy. If I was working a normal job, it's just different for a pastor. And you're like self-employed. It's like you're a small business. And I learned how to make it really simple for myself this year. Over years, I just finally trust myself to do it. But like two years ago, I was audited. I get this letter in the mail. I pick it up. I'm on my lawnmower. It's like a Thursday or Friday afternoon, about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I'm finishing up. I seen the mail person came early when I started. I said, I'll get there on my way in. So I get my lawnmower. I'm sitting there. It's running. I go to the mailbox, you know. Not that I'm lazy or anything. I was driving right by it. And I, I read the mail, and I open it up. I'm like, man, this looks really important. It's big. It said, and basically, I thought I was going to jail. <laughs> That's the way they make you feel when they simply just audit you. Some computer brings you up. I call them, and I'm like, what is going on? Am I going to jail? And this guy was like, I'm not. I said, I've done nothing wrong. I do a CPA. I said, do I need to come by myself on this meeting you've set? Or do I need my CPA to come? Oh, no, you can come. I went, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, whatever. But I had taken for years my taxes to the CPA, and he'd seen all my weaknesses. He exposed them, and he strengthened them up. So when he went in, he said, I'll represent you. Of course, I paid him. It was a minimal fee. It wasn't bad. I mean, I was glad. I gladly paid him the 120 or 150, whatever it was, dollars. I'm like, you go represent me. I don't want to go over and look at this guy. So he goes over and comes back. Nothing wrong. But if I didn't allow him to expose things in the past, I would have been ready for the seat with the audit in Charleston. I tell you this, there are certain things that when we're going through trials that God exposes in our life. And he begins to take those weak places and he begins to strengthen them. And you're going through the time, you don't understand everything's going on, but God's building something different in your character because trials bring exposure and some things need to be exposed in the trial so you will have the proper character going to your next season. Yes, it's exhaustion. Yes, you're trying to pursue God and you're weary and you feel like you're emotionally drained, but God's exposing things so you can handle his glory in the seasons that's about to show up in your life. There are certain glories that you come in in God and His weight, His heaviness. The Hebrew word would be the kabod, the weight of God, the glory. Certain things in your life will never be able to handle the weight until it can handle the frost. When you allow yourself to handle the frost, then the weight will come and you'll be able to handle the weight. God's like, I've spoken a promise over them, but man, they got to go through some things. I'm going to develop their character so that they're ready for that. When you see, you know, for me, I look in the pastoral realm and the ministry. When I see ministries doing really good, I'm like, God must really trust them. Whether it's financially or whether whatever it is is blessing, and whether it's numerical or salvations or miracles, God must trust him with that weight. And I always say, God, whatever it takes to prepare me to go to the next level, because I never want to be a standstill pastor. I tell Kristen all the time, I said, you know, I'm young now, but if I ever get to the age that it just starts falling apart, I said, I'll, sell, I'll set out in the sunset and hand it over to some young guy or somebody. I said, but I want to be able to carry his weight. 
I want our church to carry the weight, the glory, and the presence of God. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. It says, anyone who builds on the foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. If any man builds a foundation that will not last, that's not eternal, that will not bring them into their promise or their throne, then we know that he had built upon something that did not last. What God tries to do during our trial is to frost the things that will not last and get us upon the foundations that will last. To attach ourselves to his word because you can never be, you cannot be more spiritual than you are scriptural. That's why we pour into the Word. That's why we hang on to the Word. All these promises there. That it is God Himself. It is Christ Himself that we are speaking and decreeing when we have the Word of God in our life. But every foundation is tried by fire. The trials we go through is fire. But the fire reveals the work itself. The fire reveals our motives. There's times in trials I'm like, man, I got the wrong motive. I got the wrong attitude. Then I've got to say, God, help me. But if it wasn't for the trial, I wouldn't know that my motive was wrong. I wouldn't know that I had the wrong character in the moment. The fire reveals our lives. And let me tell you this, it really shows what we are made of. That's what trials do. Once again, I don't like the fire. I don't like the trials. But my spirit, I've learned God must be doing something in my life. It's hard to accept. There are certain times I get aggravated and I'm frustrated. But I'm like, God, you must be doing something. Something so much bigger. And then I begin to dream of the dreams he's given me. And I begin to revisit the visions he's placed in me. And I begin to remind myself of the promises he's spoken over my life. And that's why James said, count it all joy when you fall in the strange fire because God must be up to something bigger. Some people are threatened by the trial. What do I mean by that? Well, they'll, they'll threaten God is what I mean. They're not threatened, but they're, they, they want to threaten God. They're like, well, I'll quit church. I'll find a new spouse. I won't give no more. I'll find a new job. I don't care what the counselor says, the pastor says, or those that are smarter and wiser than me says. I, I'm just going to figure out what I'm going to do, and I'm just not going to care about it because I I don't have to go through the trial. But sometimes when our feet has been put to the fire, God is just simply wanting us to trust Him because He's exposing things that need to be exposed so it will be taken out of our life. Listen, there are certain trials that are meant to happen in your life. That means exhaustion is going to happen. You can't run from it. Some people think they can run from it. They think they can find another relationship. They think they can find another job. But you know what happens? Is that same trial, it follows you to the next job. It follows you to the next place. Though you try to abandon here, go here, it just does not quit. It does not uh, uh, abandon you. It continues to come because God says it's not about your placement so much, but it's about your character and the trial's coming with you. We want to run from it. We quickly learned that it's not what we thought it was, but it's us that God's working on. We want to blame everything else, but it's us that God's really working on. 
God's exposing the real you and he's dealing with you in the character and it's exhausting. It's not meant to break you, but it's meant to mold you. And the last point of the, today is this, the testing of the word of promise. I told you earlier that every word that God speaks to you will be tested. Every promise, you're like, I have promises from God. It will be tested. It says in Psalms 105, 16 through 22, it says, He called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters, and they placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free, and the ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became a ruler of all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisor. See, the word of the Lord that has been released over your life, whether it's your, your life personally, whether it's your family, or whether it's the ministry, is going to be tested in our pursuit. Even churches get to a place that they're exhausted. Even churches get to a place when they're pursuing that there's weary moments, but it does not mean that we quit, but we continue to pursue. Until the word over our lives is tested, we are not ready for the throne. Joseph had to be tested we know the story of Joseph. We talk about his family. We've seen it so many times throughout the Word of God. But when the Word of the Lord is first spoken in our lives, the capacity to carry it out that Word is not in our lives because God doesn't have our character where it needs to be. So He begins to work out the capacity of what we can hold in our lives. God refines us. He refines our families. But as we look at Joseph, he, was, he carried a Word. Joseph probably was in the pit Saying, why did I ever tell my mom and dad and my brothers one day they're going to bow down to me? He probably thought the same thing when he's in Potiphar's house with that crazy lady. It's like, I can't get away from this crazy lady. I, why did I tell them the dream? And then when he was in prison, in chains and shackled, he probably thought about it again, head scratcher. God, you gave me a dream. Maybe I wasn't supposed to tell anybody because I was okay until I told somebody about the dream. But it wasn't about who he told. It was that the fact God had given him a word over his life. And it needed to be battle tested. It needed to be tried. It needed to be refined. Joseph had plenty of time and seasons of exhaustion to dwell on that word that God gave him. Just like you and I, we've had plenty of time recently in our exhaustion. And like, I'm just tired of it, wish it would all be over, but God's still yet doing something bigger than what we could ever see in our pursuit with him. And maybe you feel this way. But think about John the Baptist. He was out doing great things, gets placed in prison for doing great things. He had a word over his life. Here he is sitting in the prison, and he's hearing about this man, Jesus, that's healing the sick, opening up blind eyes, miracles are being done, revival's taking place. He said, but I'm the one that has prepared the way. Well, he didn't realize he had already prepared the way. There are times we've heard God's voice, but it seems that we're on the shelf. Joseph no doubt felt like he was just in a resting place, a shelf, and really it wasn't so restful. It was exhausting. Same thing for John the Baptist. But Joseph had a word. It was tested. And one day he became second in charge of an entire nation, and he came into fulfillment of that word. But it came because he was allowing God to expose what needed to be exposed 
and the word that was spoken in his life to be tested. Today, I want to encourage you that God's just simply testing the word. It's not that he's like literally trying to hurt us or harm us, but there are certain things the enemy brings. God said, this is great for their character. This is a perfect frost to take away the peaches that need to be taken away so that they will begin to see the true word I have for their life and let me develop the character. Today, you need to hang on to what God's spoken of your life. The word of promise has been tested. You need, do not need to scheme something. You don't need to manipulate something to get your throne. God's going to bring your throne. I learned a long time ago, you can try to be impatient, manipulate it, scheme it. It doesn't work. You're not going to get anywhere. The more you try to scheme, figure out, manipulate, orchestrate in your flesh, the more miserable you're going to be. And sometimes what you've got to do is just say, God, in your time, you know who I am. You know, there's a prophecy that has been spoken over West Virginia so many times, and I wasn't even going to bring it up. But in 1998, I put it in my notes on my phone because I want to be able to say it right. Y'all ever do that? In 1998, this prophecy was spoken over West Virginia. He said, do not disdain your hiddenness, West Virginia. I've hidden you for the last days. God's not forgotten you. God's not forgotten me. God's not forgotten our land. God has not forgotten. Don't think we're disdained. Don't think that we're forgotten. God still has his eyes upon us. So many prophecies. A lot of people have not heard that Flatwoods prophecy about pastor's conference. But so many prophecies that can date way, way back some believe in the early 1900s. Some believe, and they, they speak of 1979, one was spoken. Same people that prophesied about Brownsville spoken about a last day's outpouring for our state from these mountains. Once again, confirmed in 1998, I have not forgotten, confirmed the word. And I'm going to tell you today, God's not forgotten your family. He's not forgotten your home. He's not forgotten our economy. He's not forgotten me. He's not forgotten our church. We are not disdained, but he has remembered us. And I want to encourage you with that word today because God loves you. He's called you here. He's planted you here. And he's not forgotten you. Though trials come, peaches leave, frost happens, God's still working something greater out for your good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.